We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the second episode of the Rotowire College Football Podcast of this season. Uh, we were off for about two months there, but you know I, I don't think you guys necessarily needed regular college football podcasts at that time, but now is definitely the time of the year when it's kind of what's on everybody's mind. Uh, what what have you been up to since then? I mean, you've just been working, working your ass off trying to get ready for this season? Yeah, I've been trying, uh, but I've been dying more so. And uh, there's week one is mercifully approaching us, so it's like whatever... Whatever I didn't get done in time is just going to get washed away with the, the week one storm. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to actually diving in instead of just fussing over the stupid Twitter feeds, watching for news that isn't going to happen, stuff like that. I should say my name is James Anderson, uh, which you would know if you've listened to the podcast before. That, of course, is Mario Puig, who is our college football expert here at Rotowire. Uh, one of the guys that I know you were kind of high on, um, at least prior to this recent news, is Nebraska wide receiver 
De Mornay, Pearson L., uh, suffered an injury, is expected to be out about six to eight weeks with a, with a foot injury. What were your expectations for him before the injury? Do you see anybody rising up and, and becoming useful uh, due to this absence? Yeah, so this, this development really sucks. Today sucks. I hate everything about this because Demirne Pearsonell was definitely one of my favorite receivers this year. Um, he's kind of he's kind of like another Steve Smith kind of guy, just high motor, a lot of lot of fight in him. Go really fights for the ball when it's in the air. Uh, also an amazing returner for Nebraska. I thought that he might have kind of like uh, a, a role in the Nebraska offense, a lot like what Mike Riley, their new head coach used to put aside for guys like James Rogers and Brandon Cooks at Oregon State and Marcus Wheaton. Um, that's not as easy to see happening now because he's, I mean, he logged good practice time before this injury, but he's going to have up to like a two-month layoff. Uh, foot injuries are always awful to come back from. They've got other good receivers. Jordan Westerkamp was quite good last year. He'll be probably their lead guy, especially with Pearson L out. Um, they got this other guy, Brandon Riley, who they've been talking up a lot. Uh, they have a true freshman, I want to say uh, Stanley Morgan, I believe his name is. That's been, uh, yeah, Stanley Morgan has been getting some hype too. He's a true freshman. He might step right into the Pearson L role. Who really knows? It sounds like Wester Camp's going to be doing most of the work though with like Brandon Riley running vertical routes. He's supposed to be really fast. Uh, but yeah, Pearson L out is really bad news for Nebraska because he was awesome. Um, he, he was probably like a top 40 receiver for me uh, before the injury. And obviously now that that's, he's kind of just scratched from the board. So another injury uh, where we have a guy set to miss time is Jonathan Williams, uh, Arkansas running back. But it sounds like there might be a guy in this scenario where you could see really, really taking a step forward because of Williams' absence. Yeah, Alex Collins was the other Arkansas running back. The two were kind of just like walking synonyms the last two years. Like Jonathan Williams had 211 carries last year. Collins had 204. Uh, 1,190 yards for Williams, 1,100 exactly for Collins. Both of them had 12 rushing touchdowns. Um, Collins has a bit of, he's not as well rounded of a player as Williams. He's not the passing down option that Williams was. Uh, but he is very athletic and he's a, he's a really natural runner, like really, really tough to stop between the tackles. So with those two combining for 415 carries last year, over 13 games, it's really hard to see Collins finishing with anything less than like 250 carries health permitting. And he could, he could easily lead the nation in rushing attempts because, uh, (laughs) the, the the next candidate, uh, at, at running back for Arkansas is this guy, Raleigh Williams, who's a true freshman and it's like we, we don't know anything about that uh, and, and the other guy they're talking up as a as a carry option is cody walker who's kind of like their fullback so whatever um alex collins will get a ton of work he's probably not as good as jonathan williams but the volume there could just be like you know ridiculous so he's gonna get all the carries he can handle so like maybe a maybe a matchup play when you're doing DFS. Oh, Collins. Yeah. Collins. He probably, he, I mean, even if he does terrible, it's like he might get 30 carries for 90 yards, you know? Okay. So I, I think Collins is like pretty close to matchup proof with that sort of workload. Right. Although, um, you know, obviously if he's playing like a truly vicious defense and a team that can put up points quickly, Arkansas might be forced to abandon the run. But aside from that scenario, he should just feast weekly. So Oregon running back Thomas Tyner is is out with a shoulder injury. Is this you know just a big boost for Royce Freeman's stock? Yeah. So this is a this is like ten days old or whatever. But Thomas Tyner 
had a shoulder injury that uh, his, it's, I guess his dad kind of like made him get surgery on it, uh, that which ended his season. Whereas like Oregon's coaches seem to disagree with his dad, and there's this weird like cold war going on between Mark Helfrich and Thomas Tyner's dad. Uh, but anyway, Tyner's out. He's he's a really talented player who's played a big role in the last two years for the Oregon offense. With him out. Uh, Oregon was kind of uh, forced to scramble for whatever their backup plan was because Royce Freeman was a workhorse, obviously. Um, but behind him, they had re- like they're they're looking at the possibility of now moving uh, their previous number one receiver Byron Marshall back to running back, where he played two years ago and was quite good at it. But they moved him to receiver, like largely because of Freeman's emergence last year. Um, with Tyner gone, the whole the logic of moving Marshall to receiver doesn't exist quite as much. So we might see Byron Marshall getting more running back snaps. They also might turn to this guy, uh, Tony Brooks James, uh, who's basically like another D'Anthony Thomas type. Like he's you know five nine, one eighty, um, has to make his living making big plays, which he Being probably awesome. can. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> he just has to average like nine point nine in attempt or whatever. Um, but yeah, so Brooks James, someone to watch. Byron Marshall certainly was already on the radar as a receiver. Now he might get even more fantasy value getting, you know, like an extra 40 carries or something like that on the year. Um, but yeah, very, very good for Royce Freeman in the meantime, because he's their only constant, like he's their only given. They're going to have to lean, lean on him, especially in competitive games. Well, I'm glad that there's another uh, D'Anthony Thomas on the horizon at, at Oregon, because those are those are my favorite kind of uh, college football players, at least just to watch. I mean, they're, they're tricky in fantasy, but... Uh, just those those little short guys that that don't really have much of a f- uh, future in the NFL that but could just go crazy in college. Uh, that's always fun to to check out. Um, you know, Ohio State probably gets as much coverage, if not more, than the rest of uh, the schools Any in team. the nation combined. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm I'm kind of I like watching them play because they're loaded and you know they've got a lot of fun players. But uh, the whole off season circus is is kind of played out at this point but you know what what do you see happening there i mean there, there's some news kind of coming out of there with regards to to braxton miller uh you know sounds like they might be going with a dual quarterback of at jt barnett and, and cardell jones what do you see kind of happening there from a fantasy standpoint well it's impossible to know for sure uh it sounds like jt barrett is the favored player between him and cardell uh mostly for system considerations like Cardell probably looks like the better pro prospect because right. he's like six five two fifty with the cannon arm but Barrett's the, one of those you know just slick athletes who it really runs the system like he's built for the system the, the system's built for him he was obviously amazing last year in his first year as a starter as a redshirt freshman so Cardell uh, gets tons of credit for obviously the the highly improbable finish to last year that he oversaw but uh Urban Meyer is going to care more about, you know, the fall camp and how they look there. So Barrett's returning from that gruesome, you know, ankle break or whatever, but he's back now. Uh, the beat writers around there f- seem to think it's Barrett who wins, but they'll probably, you know, give Cardale like 10 pass attempts a game on average or something just to kind of keep his NFL stock afloat. Uh, but I, th- I think it's going to be the Barrett show mostly. I, f- uh, I feel like college coaches, especially like the the super controlling, you know, big name ones like Urban Meyer and Nick Saban and those guys, like they're almost kind of scared of quarterbacks like Cardell Jones that they have kind of limited control over that have such, you know, crazy attributes in the passing game that they are almost too good for, you know, a control heavy system. 
Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. The, the Urban Meyer thing is frustrating to me because it's like Cardale should be in the NFL right, right. now. You know? Yeah, it's like, exactly. Uh, That's... But, but it's like the guys, like all, I mean, I understand it's a cutthroat business, but when you're really, you know, kind of like putting some kid's future in the balance just so you have the luxury of an all like an all-star backup quarterback yeah. when you already have JT Barrett and Braxton Miller there it's like if Barrett got hurt you could just move Miller back to quarterback let Cardale get paid um, but instead he's going to sit on the bench for a year and like probably go later in the draft than he would have you know fresh off of a national championship yeah. victory I, I really wanted him to go out and that's I mean it's easy to say but it's also you know you won you won the national title uh I mean, I feel like he would have been a, a surefire top 10 pick after after all the workouts and everything like that. And just with how quarterbacks seem to have their stock rise uh, kind of consistently heading up to the draft. But, yeah, I mean, I, I still think he'll go first round uh, just based on, on the pure upside with his, with his arm and his size. But uh, I guess time will tell on that one. What about Braxton Miller? What do, you, what do you see for his value this year? Well, we haven't seen him play at receiver before, but we know when he has the ball, he's just terrifying uh for a defense so if if he if he has the hands if he can uh get the slightest bit of separation he should be quite good at it i mean they're not going to use him like devin smith last year running you know like 40 yard downfield Mm -hmm. targets they're probably going to do more so like screens and you know end arounds and things like that uh the on a per touch basis he should be highly lethal but it's they got so many players it's like michael thomas is their lead receiver their true receiver uh, they got Jalen Marshall, who's probably going to have a role like Braxton Miller's doing kind of like end arounds and things like that. Dontre Wilson and Curtis Samuel are these two guys who would be really dominant, but like they don't even have more than like five touches a game to give them. So it's a crowded it's a crowded area, even with Devin Smith gone. So between that and the the fact that he's making a positional transition, it's hard to really forecast at least any kind of reliable a uh, big impact for Miller but it's like when he gets the ball he should be really good it's just the question of like how often can they get it to him yeah it sounds like if if it is Barrett's job then Barrett and Ezekiel Elliott are going to be your two main sources of fantasy production there certainly in week one where they have Jalen Marshall Dontre Wilson and probably like other people that I'm forgetting suspended <laughs> so uh yeah Ezekiel uh, Elliott got some guys suspended you know? yeah they, they're just without like three guys who would be all Americans <laughs> on any other team but they've got six other one so we don't even care all right so uh nick stevens named the starting quarterback for colorado state uh you know i think one of the you know possibly one of the big kind of kernels of wisdom that that you you laid on me since our last podcast is that perhaps mike bobo is not quite the the buffoon that that we sort of (laughs) labeled him as uh last season uh what what do you kind of see going on there with colorado state so obviously a recurring theme of our like college football discussions is is how much we hate on coaches that are are you know dum-dums and it looked like Bobo might have been one because there is all this like re- taking out Todd Gurley taking out Nick Chubb in the middle of drives and it's like why why are you doing this Bobo and it might have been Rick it might have been Mark Rick instead because uh, Bobo arrives to Colorado State as the head coach, and he's basically installing the inversion of the Georgia offense that he supposedly oversaw uh, previously, where <laughs> the Georgia offense is just the worst thing ever because it's like throw the ball 20 times, run it 40, and just like make that clock go away as soon as possible. Um, in Colorado State, they're saying, anyway, that they're going to run an up-tempo scheme. 
uh, which is you know the inverse of that. Um, previously, like it's it's like slow tempo, don't throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball on Colorado State at least a little bit because they have Rashard Higgins, who should have won the Bolitnikoff Award last year. Um, I mean, I know he didn't play in the SEC, but Higgins was more impressive statistically than Amari Cooper was. Uh, so he should have won the Bolitnikoff. Uh, he, he has a good chance at getting at it again this year if they're really running an up-tempo offense because uh, Higgins is just way too good for the Mountain West. Um, Stevens was pretty good as an understudy to Garrett Grayson last year. Uh, he beat out Coleman Key for the starting job, and Coleman Key looks pretty good himself. So I think Colorado State should have a good offense this year. Uh, the guy who might have been their lead runner, Treyus Geralds, he recently had a scope He's kind of questionable for week one. If he's out, then this guy, Jason Odin, who was on the team last year, he had he had a bit of work behind uh, Gerald's and uh, what's his name, D. Hart. So Odin, Odin's a guy to watch for in week one, um, especially if Gerald's is sitting out. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there, should, there should be fantasy factors in that offense, even aside from Stevens and Higgins. Gerald's or Odin are both good candidates. So I want to I want to ask you really quick about Richard Higgins, who you mentioned. Uh, I mean, you're right. He was he was crazy last year. Uh, Seventeen hundred and fifty yards, seventeen TDs, ninety six catches. You have him ranked seventh, I think, on the the wide receiver. No, actually, uh, I've I've got him up to second now because of okay. uh, yeah, this, especially after all the confirmation of up tempo stuff at Colorado State. I, I initially scaled back the expectations. So just behind Kevon Lucas, Kevon Lucas still at number one. Okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, both of those guys are just gonna burn everybody this year. And and Juju Smith. Uh, he might not be in Mario's top three, but he's in he's in my top three. For uh, he's what actually it, for Juju Smith Schuster now, so have some respect, please. Wait, what happened? What happened? He added Schuster got to a, as a got second surname. Name. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, adding a name. Uh, get uh, get your jersey <laughs> remade there. <laughs> that that's I don't I don't really care for that. Uh, big Juju Smith fan, but Juju Smith Schuster doesn't quite it roll sounds off less the, like a cartoon now. Right. Yeah. 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 He seems. Yeah, that doesn't really work. Well, he for me. should still score like fourteen touchdowns. Okay. So. Well, that's as long as he does that, then I'll, I'll let it slide. But I probably won't refer to him by his by both surnames on the the podcast. Uh, right, just that, okay. Just a heads up. Uh, right. Gus Malzahn uh, wants to fight Jovan Robinson, um, um, or at least their <laughs> running back coach. Uh, what's his name? Was uh, so Javon Robinson shows up to Auburn as a five star recruit, the top like not even like the most solid consensus you can imagine as far as like his ranking number one juco recruit uh actually committed to auburn like two years ago but ended up getting uh sent to the juco route because he had some kind of like test score that was forged or something um anyway uh he shows up from junior college and in the first couple like practices at auburn they're saying he's their second or third running back behind uh rashawn now known as rock thomas and uh, Peyton Barber, who was like their fourth running back last year. And, um, you know, when I see a guy like uh, Peyton Barber, Rock Thomas, and it's like they seem like they are definitely pretty good, but it's like they couldn't even get carries when, you know, what's his name? Cameron Artis Payne was there last year, and I was not impressed with Artis Payne. Uh, but anyway, Robinson, like all the press, all offseason says he's going to take over as the lead running back. He's so good. He's this five-star guy, and, you know, he's going to Auburn. And now he gets there. All these these coaches are saying he's behind Barber and he's behind Thomas. And then like this this coach, uh, I gotta find this here. Anyway, he said uh, something about you know sometimes players come to school here and they they know how to practice right and they know how to 
do what's expected of them, like being on time and in meetings or whatever. And for some guys, like, and then he names this other Auburn running back, um, it comes naturally. For others, it's not as much. And so it's like, okay, well, Rock Thomas and Peyton Barber were both there last year. This could only be referring to Jovan Robinson. They're just calling him like a, a lame practice guy or somebody who doesn't follow directions or something. So uh, it's definitely uh, an on-notice situation because the presumption had been by like all media, Jovan Robinson will take over as a lead running back. That might not be the case, especially if he doesn't start, you know, uh, c- cooperating with the coaches. Like, no matter how talented he is, they'll just bench him or like kick him off the team if he doesn't sh- shape up. So, um, I hope he shapes up because, uh, yeah, I mean, seems like he's the best player of the bunch. Uh, but for now, it's it's like kind of a, a very touch and go situation. Hmm. Yeah. That that's. I kind of hate that stuff where. It's just, it's so college college football coachy uh, to like bring in like a stud recruit like that and then uh, I mean, talk a bunch of junk. You would but. think that their like investigation process could use some work if they were surprised by right. his character. That, that, I guess that's that's my thing. It's like you. It doesn't seem like a situation where you should be all that surprised. Like if you're willing to bring him in, you should probably be willing to play him. But yeah, he's not the only Auburn skill position star who has a uh, you know. A, a kind of touch and go status. The other is Doc Hill Williams, commonly referred to as Duke Williams. Um, he had that, he had some kind of suspension that occurred late in the season last year. Um, missed the bowl game against Wisconsin that Wisconsin uh, won. Uh, so that, that actually hurt his team quite a lot because he would have made a difference if he were active. Then uh, to start out fall camp a few days in, He's just gone for like six days for what was an unspecified disciplinary issue. Then he comes back, sprains his ankle. It's not bad, but uh, he's not in the greatest graces of his coaches at at the moment, it seems like. However, Auburn doesn't have as much depth at receiver as they do running back, so they're not talking as tough on Duke mm-hmm. Williams, really. I mean, they put him at the bottom of the depth chart, to be fair, but like, come on. If, if week one's there and he's academically eligible, he's going to play. They need him. He's like by far the best receiver, but... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a character alert, like both with Robinson and Duckhill Williams. We just don't know what's going to happen with either, really. All uh, right, so you know some more drama. Washington State, uh, you know, wide receivers. You know, are they are they going to be eligible? The the transfer from Clemson. What's going on there? Uh, this guy Kyron Priester transferred from Clemson, and uh, it was presumed that it, with Vincent Mail and Isaiah Myers gone from the team, their top two pass catchers last year, it was presumed that it would just be the Gabe Marks show. Gabe Marks was their leading receiver a couple of years ago, redshirted in 2014. Uh, River Craycraft returns. He had a he had a big year last year, um, even with Mail and uh, Myers there. So it looked like those two would be up, and then Dom Williams, who has been forever like making a lot of plays deep and scoring a lot of touchdowns for Washington State, but Mike Leach just keeps him on the bench for some reason. And it looks like it might happen yet again in, in this uh, senior season for Dom Williams because Kieran Priester um, was unexpectedly given immediate eligibility, and apparently he's really doing quite well in the fall camp. So the Dom Williams breakout we've all been waiting for, it appears we'll have to like wait for the NFL or something because uh, yeah, uh, Mike Leach has no use for those touchdowns and high yards per catch average that Williams has. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Gabe Marks will be the lead guy, I think. Craycraft closely following. But uh, the question of three between Priester and Williams is a complete unknown at the moment. 
All right. Uh, do you want to run through these these quick hitters then? Yeah, we got uh, a couple other recent notes uh, that might be of interest to somebody out there, one of you very few listeners. Uh, Garrett Smith looks likely to start at quarterback for Louisiana Monroe, uh, a team that's not often thought of as like a you know offensive powerhouse, but they did attempt over 40 passes per game last year, and they give their quarterback chances to run too. So if Smith is up to the task, he's someone to watch. He's got two really good receivers and Ageline Holly and uh, Rashawn Caesar um, at Louisville. The quarterback situation is not nearly as clear. Uh, we've got three guys who really seem all quite formidable candidates and on very equal footing as the season nears. But the general favorite has been sophomore Reggie Bonifon, who uh, made improvements as a passer this spring, has always been a very good runner. But on the other hand, they got Will Gardner and Kyle Bolin, both of whom have a, a recent history of playing very well as starters. Like Bolin was the one who led them through bowl season. Uh, Gardner was the one who started the season last year as a starting quarterback before a knee injury pretty much ended the year and had him on uncertain footing heading into this year. Uh, so that's for if you're if you're drafting right now, I can't really sign off on any of those Louisville quarterbacks because it's just impossible to tell right now. Um, Georgia Tech had an interesting backfield situation with the graduations of Sinjin Days and Zach Lasky, where uh, the B-back, you know, commonly known as the actual running back in the Georgia Tech offense, um, had no replacement, really. They tried to put this guy, Marcus Allen, from linebacker to running back. He wasn't working out. So now it looks like their starter is going to either be Patrick Skov, who is like a fullback. Um, he, He transferred from Stanford, where he was just a fullback. So who knows what that guy's going to really be capable of. But uh, it looks like he's going to get he has to be a heavy favorite for goal line carries, uh, given his background and given just that the lack of competition there. Um, The other guy is Marcus Marshall, who's a freshman, I believe. Um, He might be the more big play kind of candidate between the two. So it'll be really interesting to see how that sorts out specifically, because if somebody does get the volume, the, the carry volume at Georgia Tech, uh, it's such an easy offense to run in because of the, the triple option keeps the middle of the field so vulnerable. Um, one of the high impact junior college transfers this year was supposed to be Indiana's uh, Indiana commitment, Kamian Patrick, who uh, I've, I've been looking kind of daily, like on Twitter, Google News, everything. The last thing that's been said about this guy was like roughly a week ago, he still didn't have academic clearance. And like we're we're deep into camp now and there's still no movement there. I don't know what to conclude other than that. Well, like, like what could he do between now and like, I, I don't know. I don't know how many like five day classes Indiana <laughs> offers this time of the year where you can immediately raise your GPA or whatever it is that he needs. There's just been no comment. And it, it's like, if he's out, Indiana's receivers take a big hit because they already lost Jason Harris. They're returning the lead returning guy. They lost him to an ACL. Uh, they, they lost Shane Wynn last year. Uh, and, and last year, their receivers were really bad. So it's like to lose something from that. They're, they're basically banking on these young guys like Simi Cobbs and Dominique Booth. Uh, they got an, a UAB transfer who's actually pretty talented. Um, I want to say Marquis Hawkins. He might be the guy they need to step up because, uh, yeah, if, if Patrick doesn't get his grades in order, whatever it is that's going on there, it's, you know, that's that. Um, and last thing, there are a couple there are a couple supposed quarterback competitions occurring. Um one in Tulsa, one in Houston, but it's a ridiculous farce because like Tulsa is going to start Dane Evans. He started for them last year. He was, he's not a good passer, but he's okay. And he's, he's certainly adequate by the standards of the conference in which he plays. 
So it's going to be Dane Evans in Tulsa. It almost has to be. And similarly at Houston, uh, Greg Ward was really good last year. And they moved him from receiver in the middle of the year to do it. So to make that midseason receiver to quarterback transition and run the offense so well. And he, he also has the ideal dual threat skill set that fits for Tom Herman, um, the new head coach at Houston who arrives as uh, the former offensive coordinator of Ohio State the last three years. So obviously a dual threat uh, running playmaker like greg ward is a perfect fit he's he's got to start it just ha- it's crazy if herman doesn't and it's similarly crazy if philip montgomery in tulsa would not start evans so uh it's, as much as you hear about those that they're probably settled uh also this this broke like a little bit before we started uh east carolina they named kurt bankert their starting quarterback so air raid offense the passing volume that they get he doesn't even need to necessarily be that good to be useful in fantasy so Something to watch there because he was the understudy to Cardin last year. Got a little bit of work in. Uh, if he's any good, the system means that he'll be in a position to put up numbers. All right. So we have a listener question. The I first even, I listener. Even, did we even ask for listener questions? Oh, I, I sheepishly did oh, uh, okay. on Twitter. Yeah. And w- w- our loan. You know, I mean, I'll throw it out there. If, if you have a question and you want it answered on the podcast, you literally just have to ask us and we'll probably answer it. So we're I mean, desperate. Yeah. So like, I mean, if you're, you know, just get some crazy question about a deep league or you want to, you know, pump up your favorite team or something like that. If you're wondering if that food item can still be eaten. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, could be, matter. it could be something weird, too. Yeah. Um, but OK. So what what did what did we get? Our, our guy, J-Rod. He was wondering, what about Brad Kea this year, uh, the Miami-Florida quarterback? So he was a true freshman last year, very impressive, uh, particularly in real football terms. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, however, our guy Al Golden is still the coach at Miami-Florida, uh, which means, A, Miami won't throw the ball that much, and B, everything else will probably be mismanaged in the meantime. So as much as we'd like Kea... Losing Philip Dorsett, losing Clive Walford, losing Duke Johnson, that hurts quite a lot. Um, I, want, I want to say their offensive line is also rather inexperienced. So that's a concern. Uh, I do like Stacy Coley, the receiver for Miami, to break out this year. He, he's a, he was a pretty impressive guy as a freshman. Then he had leg problems last year. He never got going. Uh, Coley should step up, make some plays, but... Just doesn't seem like there's enough help there for Kea. Uh, their backfield has several options that are, are pretty intriguing. Like Gus Edwards is a big guy who looks like he might be the starter. And then they got this true freshman, Mark Walton, and uh, Joseph Yearby providing some you know speed, uh, prob- probably off the bench. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, Miami is a low-tempo team to begin with. So between not running as many plays as some of the other quarterbacks and having the worst circumstances otherwise as well, I actually expect Kea to have a worse year this year than he did as a freshman when he, you know, very impressively threw for 3,198 yards, 8.5 yards per pass, 26 touchdowns. Um, I can't see it going that well this year, though. How? What do you think about him from a, just a pro perspective? Because I, I, I'm with you. I like this guy when I when I saw him uh, a few times last year. Yeah, I think his pro prospects are better than his uh, fantasy college football prospects. I mean. The, the size seems to check out roughly like he's listed at 6'4", 210 or something, which might mean a combine check-in of like 6'3", you know, 220 a year from now, uh, if you were to declare early, that is. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't break down the film very specifically, but in a, in a situ- like the status quo right now is like everybody needs a quarterback pretty much, and, or at least you know, there's like seven to eight teams every year who are just like completely desperate for one. 
Um, so Kea, a guy like that, and given that we don't really know any other, other upcoming quarterbacks aside from the likes of like Jeremy Johnson and Jared Goff, who could be in the NFL before Kea's draft, uh, it's hard. To, it's hard to rule him out as anything less than like a day two consideration, and he's got room to grow. Uh, he'll definitely be test. He'll have his like perseverance test this year, I think, when uh, Miami is probably going to struggle a little bit. Um, so it'll, it'll be a character test for him, and uh, I think he'll probably do pretty well for himself, but just not much volume stats is a thing. All right. Well, you know, I think we'll probably we're we're going to be doing this every week uh, from here on on out until the, the start of the regular season, at which point we'll you know, have a lot more to talk about because games will actually be going down and stuff. But, I mean, I think we'll, we'll kind of get closer to the season and probably start previewing some some week one stuff, and that'll be exciting. But uh, this will do it for, for the second episode of this season. Again, I'm James Anderson. That's Mario Puig. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson, and they can find you at... It's uh, NFL Draft underscore RW, as in RotoWire. Yeah, so uh, you know that's that's probably the best way to go about trying to ask us stuff. Uh, if it's kind of like a minor thing, we might even just answer it on Twitter for you. But uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week.